A reading from the 16th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime, you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. And nowhere, no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I read one person asked this question, What if this parable isn't about the afterlife after all, but rather is about our lives right now? He goes on to say that what makes this parable difficult is not that it's hard to understand. Because it seems painfully clear it's difficult. And what it makes painfully clear is this, hoard wealth in this life and suffer the consequences in the next. There's something else that bothers me about this parable. And I think it adds extra weight to it when Jesus gives one of the characters a name. The rich man does not have the excuse of being unaware of the poor man. For he calls the poor man by name. Saying to Father Abraham, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He knows who the poor man is. He knows the name of the one who lay hungry at his gate, covered in sores, while he feasted sumptuously every day. 
He, the rich man, knows the name of the one who longed to satisfy his hunger with the crumbs that fell from his table. But the poor man knew no relief from the one who dressed in comfort and style, draping himself in fine linen clothes, dyed with the most expensive of dyes. While the rich man feasted in comfort, the one he names lay dressed in sores and hunger at his own gate. Though he knew Lazarus' name, he offered Lazarus no comfort. He offered Lazarus no peace, no hope. Lazarus' only comfort was in dogs that came to lick his sores. The rich man reminds me of the rich fool in Luke 12. He seems to be ignoring Lazarus' suffering as he piles up comfort for himself. I wonder if you remember the words of the rich fool. He had benefited from an abundant crop. And rather than share what God's earth had brought forward, he tore down his barns and built bigger ones so that he could keep it all for himself. So that he could feast sumptuously. The rich fool said to himself, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. The English words, be merry, are a translation of the Greek word, euphrino, which in today's parable is translated as feasted sumptuously. The rich man and the rich fool had the same attitude toward their wealth. It's for them so that they can feast sumptuously, so that they can be merry to heck with everybody else. The rich man and the rich fool are tied by their response to their wealth. In the parable about the rich fool, God says to him, You fool, this very night your life is being required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And Jesus said, so it is with those who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The rich man who is a lover of wealth is learning that he has been a fool. He serves as a warning to the Pharisees who had ridiculed Jesus. After Luke tells us Jesus said you cannot serve God and wealth, Luke tells us the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard that and that they ridiculed Jesus. And so he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others. In other words, you think you're better than others. But God knows your hearts. For what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. Wealth, while prized by human beings, Jesus says, is an abomination in the sight of God. So much for the prosperity gospel that teaches that if we'll just be faithful enough, we can be rich too. We might say Jesus means love of wealth, but wouldn't we just be trying to legitimize our pursuit of wealth? 
I can say this. I've heard it said many times. The more you make, the more you spend. You ever heard that? But I can tell you this also. I have never heard a single person say, the more you make, the more you give to the poor. I've never heard anyone say, the more you make, the more you give away. Have you? A Google search turned up zero hits. And if it's not on Google, it's just never been said. I certainly don't think we would have expected to hear that from the rich man in Jesus' story today. I don't imagine him feasting sumptuously with Lazarus laying poor at his gate and him thinking, you know, the more I make, the more I give away. The rich man had simply refused to be rich toward anyone other than himself. He was serving and loving his wealth. In his comfort and his love of money, in his feasting sumptuously, right there in the midst of his ease, he knew Lazarus' name. So does it not follow that he must have known of Lazarus' condition? And yet he refused to do anything about it. How can that be? How can one human being so easily ignore the suffering of another? Perhaps it's because we too often refuse to be rich toward God while still expecting God to be rich toward us. Being rich toward God is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To do love, not just thoughts and prayers, but to do actions of love for people, especially for those who suffer. After all, the love that Jesus has shown us is a sacrificial love of actions and not words. He gave Himself up for us. When we live as lovers of money or anything other than God or our neighbor, we only see our needs and our desires. And we refuse to see the needs of those who suffer. Love of money and power bring on an emotional and a spiritual blindness that allows us to ignore the suffering of whole groups of people until it spills over in the streets and protests and riots like the ones going on in Charlotte. When we sit and say it doesn't affect us, if they would behave when the police pull them over, it wouldn't happen. How do we know? Has it ever happened to us? Do we live where they live? Do we live in their shoes? Do we live with that fear every day that our child might be pulled over for no reason do we have to tell our children to sit and be quiet in a police car no we don't we have no clue what that looks like but we can sit in our comfort and judge them that's what the rich man did sat in his comfort and judged Lazarus and said he's worthless not worthy of my attention Not worthy of my care, not worthy of my prayer, not worthy of my help. He's a thug. He deserves it. He earned it for himself. If we look through a clear pane of glass, 
We can see the other person standing on the other side. But as soon as we coat one side of that glass with silver, all we can see is ourselves. And it's just like that with our hearts. As soon as we allow love of silver and gold and money and wealth and treasure to coat our hearts, we cease to be able to see the hurting of other people. And all we care about is ourselves. We don't care who we might hurt. We're chasing after what we want. All we want is what we want. And we'll get it at whatever cost it takes. And our culture teaches us that that's okay. It keeps us from seeing people who suffer as real persons. People who are living and breathing and loving and hoping persons who are trapped in systems of despair and hate. And we're able to ignore their plight even though we know their names. Today's parable is not intended to be a teaching on the afterlife. We aren't supposed to mine it for information about heaven or hell. All questions like that are basically efforts to distract ourselves from the real question. Are we hoarding wealth and earning for ourselves consequence? I think what we're supposed to hear is a warning. And be reminded that the place, the place of blessing is the place of suffering. Because blessing didn't come to the man who feasted sumptuously. It came to the man who was starving and covered in sores and desperate for someone to love him. The place of suffering is the place of blessing. That's the place where God shows up and works. And we know that because God in Christ showed up and worked in our suffering. This warning is sounded to those ridiculing Pharisees and to all lovers of money. A warning spoken by Father Abraham who said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he, he is comforted here and you are in agony. Even after being told that he and Lazarus had exchanged status, the rich man still thinks Lazarus is beneath him. He still sees Lazarus as the one who should be sent to serve him, to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. To him, Lazarus is still the worthless beggar. Or might we dare to say the worthless protester who suffers? The worthless refugee without a home. The worthless homeless person. The worthless runaway teen. The worthless children who scrounge out of garbage dumps in Nicaragua. 
When I was there, they said we might go tour the garbage dump and to prepare ourselves because we would see children going through the trash looking for food. And I prayed, Lord, please don't make me see that. But it happens in our own country. Our school district right here, Rock Hill 3 and York 1, trying to figure out what to do with homeless children. They lay at our gates. We know their names, but we can't see them. The rich man exhibits for us the blindness of a heart lined with the love of wealth and a lack of care for anyone but ourselves. So what are we to do? How might we respond to our Lord's word of warning? I think we could simply let Jesus' words work in us. If it strikes a nerve in you, I say good, because it strikes a nerve in me. If it strikes a nerve in us, then let us let that word strike that nerve again and again and again and again until we can't but see our neighbors who hurt. Let it strike. That we can be set free from a disordered love of wealth and be able to love somebody who suffers instead of wondering what they did to deserve their suffering. Perhaps the words of Christ might eat away the indifference we feel toward those who suffer on the other side of our own gates. Also, we could ponder the possibility that no matter how we think we compare to other people, we are nothing more than beggars in need of God's loving, tender mercy. Jesus' warning comes to us as a word of grace, not just a threat. It's not judgment, it's a word of grace, an invitation to be different, an invitation to accept the possibility that He can change us. It's a word of grace seeking to to deliver us from the bonds of loving wealth and thinking that we're better than other people. Thinking that we're better than others. We're not better than anyone. We're all beggars. None of us is able to look upon another person and judge her as worthless or undeserving of God's comfort. That includes looking at ourselves and judging ourselves as worthless and undeserving of comfort. Unlike the rich man, God in Jesus Christ came to suffer outside the gate with us to join us in our plight and rescue us from it. He gave His very life, and we are beggars who are being joined to Him and comforted by God who desires to reconcile us, to restore us, and to renew us out of our love of wealth. 
our love of power, our love of status. The good news in this parable is that all who lay outside the gate suffering will be comforted. Are we willing to admit that we are those who lay outside the gate suffering and need God's comfort? Do we care about the suffering of people around us? Are we indifferent? Does our faith in the resurrected Christ who came to suffer with us shape our lives? May our Lord Jesus Christ and His words work in us so that we might not be lovers of wealth who are unable to see our need for a Savior. So that we might not be those who look at others and say, well, at least I'm better than her. May Christ's words prevent us from being able to consider anyone to be a worthless person whose suffering we may ignore. Because those who suffer have names. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.